Welcome to Roto Underworld Radio Nugget Edition. That's right, it's a Nugget Show! Yay! Everybody loves the Nuggets! Oh, yay! We did it! We tuned in for the right show! The Nuggets are all that matters! It's all you want to hear! Oh, I went poetic yesterday on Chris Ivory. Oh, the metaphor to the Kung Fu master. I went deep, went to the Far East, Kung Fu, Buddhism, Chris Ivory. I weaved what I thought was a compelling tale of an NFL running back ascending. And what do we get? I hope we get more nuggets. That's what we get. That's what the buzzards are dropping on my head. They're just dropping nuggets. They're going out and picking up stale chicken nuggets, hoisting them up over my head, circling, and then dropping them. Doink, doink, doink. Just trying to send a message. I get it. I get the message. No diatribes today. No poetic verses. No love letters. You just want... Boom, 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 boom. Guess what? I have them holstered. That's what today is. It's Nugget Radio! We always say that it's time to have an efficient show for once. How many times have I said that? And it's a show formula. You know when I say that today is going to be an efficient show. Today is going to be the most efficient show we've ever had. And we go out and have the least efficient show we've ever had. That's the formula. You know the formula by now. But today will be different. Today we are actually going to say we are setting out to do an efficient show. And then we will have an efficient show. I promise. We are going to hit you. You are. This is going to set the land speed record for Nuggets in your face. Buzzard writes in, you liked Chris Ivory. That's great. Good job. You finally got one right. So if Chris Ivory can ascend at 27 years old after failing to dominate at any level of football for almost 10 years, why can't Kristen Michael? (gasps) I've been foiled. I don't have a response to that argument. My response to that is a great question by the buzzard. So my response, my reason for thinking that there's absolutely no possible way that Kristen Michael can ascend is... I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what's going to happen this weekend. I'm anxious. I'm anxiously awaiting this Dallas Cowboys game. I want to see the carry distribution between Joseph Randall and Kristen Michael. Nobody knows what it's going to be. Anyone who thinks they know what it's going to be is lying to you. You don't know what the Cowboys are going to do. The Cowboys are famous for telling you one thing or feeding information to reporters that will tell you one thing and then doing something completely different. This is the Cowboys. And there's a good chance that what they end up doing will be wrong. But we don't know how many carries he is going to get and we have no idea how effective he is going to be. But if you go to playerprofiler.com and you go to Kristen Michael's profile, you see a 5'10", 220-pound running back. That's a 31.6 BMI. So he is big and thick, runs a 4'5", 4, 4, comes out to a 103.6 speed score. That's 70th percentile, straight, straight line speed with size, size-adjusted speed, 70th percentile. That already is very good. Now, a 97th percentile burst score, vertical jump and broad jump together and a 1071 agility score, three cone and 20-yard shuttle together. Big, bursty, fast, agile, and oh, by the way, strong, 27 bench rep, strong. 
He actually broke out at a very early age, 18.8 years old. He had his best season his freshman year at Texas A&M. And then whatever he was doing on the field, off the field, turned off the coaches. And they started playing Cyrus Gray more. They started playing Ben Molina more. He lost carries and then his dominator leaked and leaked and leaked. And then by the time he graduated, his dominator rating was 14.0%, 11th percentile. Then he was drafted in the second round by Seattle, went to Seattle, and then those coaches soured on him. There's something about this guy that rubs a lot of people the wrong way. But what franchise, what organization is known for going out and acquiring players that rub other franchises the wrong way and then turning them around? Oakland Raiders, that's the first one that comes to mind. Second one that comes to mind, New England Patriots. Third one that comes to mind, Dallas Cowboys. Yeah! It could happen. It could happen. This could be the moment. This could be the franchise that finally looks at Kristen Michael's shenanigans and shrugs their shoulders. The people at Texas A&M looked at Kristen Michael's shenanigans and they were bothered by them enough to play Ben Molina and Cyrus Gray over a running back with that athletic profile. Whoa! He must have done or said some crazy things in the locker room to the coaches on the practice field to deserve that. His numbers weren't that great either. If you look at the just... Not that many catches, yards per carry, 5.4, 39th percentile at Texas A&M. This wasn't a guy that inspires excitement when you look at his statistics. It's only the workout metrics that inspire excitement. That's it. But that one thing is really cool. Remember, that's what we talked about yesterday with Christopher Ivory. I don't know if it's Chris Ivory or Christopher Ivory. I flip back and forth. These guys stick to a nickname or not. Is it Philly Brown or Corey Brown? Make up your mind! I'm trying to run a database over here. Cross-referencing based on your name is impossible when you keep flip-flopping. Christopher or Chris? Tim Wright or Timothy Wright? You're killing me! Pick a name! I'm like one of five people in the world that cares. One of five people in the world that's bothered by Tim Wright changing his name to Timothy Wright and then changing it back to Tim Wright. Yeah, Kristen Michaels spark score, 147.4, 99th percentile. This is a guy that you need to be excited about. This is a guy I'm excited about. I am. I'm not as excited as the people that are trading away super productive known quantities for Kristen Michael. No, I am not that excited. The college dominator rating is too much of a red flag for me to get overly exuberant. But I am cautiously optimistic about Kristen Michael. I'm just not off-the-handle exuberant like you see with so many people on social media that think that he is the next great running back in the NFL. A lot of people think that based on workout metrics alone. And if there's one thing we've learned on this show is that you can't just take a player's workout metrics and assume that he is going to ascend to the heights of achievement at the NFL level based on athleticism alone. Time and time and time and time and time again, we've seen the great athlete flame out. So I can't get, I can't go hook line. I don't want to hit you with a cliche. All I can think of is a cliche right now. And I, I, I've gone so many shows without cliches. I feel great that I've gone so many shows without hitting you with a cliche, but I'm going to have to hit you with a cliche here. I just don't want to go hook line and sinker <laughs> with Kristen Michael. <laughs> I just, I'm worried. It's one of those things I'm worried about falling in love. I don't want to fall in love. I'm, I'm too scared. 
I've already been burned by Tevin Coleman. I've already been burned by Charles Johnson. I can't fall in love. I do. I feel like the woman who keeps choosing the wrong man to fall in love with, like the romantic comedy, I feel like I'm on a romantic comedy where I'm always the woman choosing the wrong man. The smart, funny guy from work that I get along with so well. There's just no spark there. The bad boy who's going to cheat on me, he's the guy I want. He's the guy I dream about. I could have desired Martavis Bryant throughout the offseason. That would have made sense. Size, speed, athletic freak. That would have worked out well. But instead, I was, I was crushing on Charles Johnson. Whoops. Now, I could have had all of my enthusiasm dedicated to Todd Gurley and Kristen Michael in the offseason. But no, no, no. I, I was more focused on Tevin Coleman and Amir Abdullah. Whoopsie! Always choosing the wrong guy. <laughs> and Dennis Dunbar, he writes for the show. And Dennis Dunbar, he writes for the playerprofiler.com website. We have an article section. And Dennis Dunbar has a show called The Angle of Pursuit. And I've been on his show a couple times. And he's come on the Football Diehard show that I do on Mondays and Fridays. You should go to iTunes and search for Football Diehards or Diehards Podcast and subscribe. And he wrote on Twitter that he believes that he has a sneaking suspicion based on some of the edits that I had for his latest article that featured Kristen Michael. It's the waiver wire article. Check it out, playerprofiler.com forward slash articles. And there's a week seven waiver wire piece by Dennis Donbar that features Kristen Michael. And I provided him with some edits for that piece. And some of my edits were Kristen Michael friendly. And he was scratching his head. He, he's what, what? I don't understand. What? I thought you I thought you hated Kristen Michael. And I had to remind him, this is always a value conversation. I like Kristen Michael in a vacuum. I like him. There's a lot to be excited about. But his price point is at a place that is now irrational. It's the same reason I was warning people about Martavis Bryant throughout the offseason. That a third or fourth round ADP on Martavis Bryant was irrational. It didn't make sense based on what he had done already. He'd only had a one half of a year of performance at the NFL level, and he'd done next to nothing at the college level. So how can you be excited about Martavis Bryant? After we had just learned lessons, the same lessons, almost a carbon copy of the player in the situation with both Justin Hunter and Corderell Patterson. How can you possibly go out and draft Martavis Bryant in the fourth round? That was my argument. It was a value conversation. If Martavis Bryant was available in the eighth round, I would have been all over it. But he wasn't. If Kristen Michael was on the waiver wire in Dynasty Leagues, I would have been stashing him. Of course! But you would have had to give up a first-round pick in Dynasty to acquire Kristen Michael at any point in the last three years, and that never made any sense to me. It's a value conversation. But Dennis Dunbar said, I have a sneaking suspicion based on what I now know, based on the edits of this article, I now have a better understanding of what Matt Kelly really thinks of Kristen Michael, I suspect that he's been stashing Kristen Michael in a number of leagues and hasn't told anyone. And I can tell you that is a fact. <laughs> I do have him in a bunch of leagues now. <laughs> I've told nobody. I can't. I can't. I've already committed to... It's a battle between me and other analysts at this point. The other analysts that are in the tank for Kristen Michael. I have the other side of that argument. I'm on the uh, I'm sitting on the other side of that argument. I'm telling them you shouldn't be in the tank 
for Kristen Michael. You should have tra- you should not have traded a first round pick for Kristen Michael. That was a mistake. So I can't have this position, this intractable position against these other analysts and then go out and talk about all these leagues in which I own Kristen Michael. That would be a total conflict. So I just have to keep it quiet. <laughs> but here's your first nugget. Go get Kristen Michael. Do it. It could be this could be the week. We have no idea. He could be epic. He could go nuclear this week. It could happen. Look at Christopher Ivory. Christopher. Look at Chris Ivory. Look at Chris Christopher Ivory. Years and years go by where he wasn't productive. He wasn't even productive at Tiffin State. And yet he had the measurables. He had the speed score. He had the upper percentile speed score. He was a size speed freak. And if he was given finally the opportunity to be a starter, would he have the the physical and mental ability to go out and take advantage and, and ascend to RB1 status in fantasy? And the answer was yes. The physical tools and the mentality, just turning your brain off the moment you touch the ball and just killing people. The Terminator, Christopher Ivory, the ball of knives Terminator. And we don't know what Kristen Michael is. Will Kristen Michael receive a handoff, turn his brain off, and become a Terminator, ball of knives? We don't know. To be determined, I'm excited about Kristen Michael! I said it! I just said it! I can't believe it! I've been starting to watch! I'm excited about Kristen Michael! I'm excited for this moment! I am! This weekend's gonna be exciting! I'm gonna be locked into the Dallas Cowboy game! The Red Zone channel will be playing touchdowns. I don't care. Cowboys on their own 30-yard line handing off to Kristen Michael. That's where my focus is going to be. I said it! I can't believe I'm admitting this. Back to Nugget Radio. We just spent 18 minutes talking about Kristen Michael. I said we weren't going to do this. I even said, I even admitted that I said before that I would be efficient and then failed. And then I took you behind the curtain and showed you that it was a formula. I mean, I did everything to make you believe that this would actually be that efficient Nugget Radio show. And then we spent at least 15 Maybe 20 minutes on Kristen Michael talk. I'm so sorry. I'm so, I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry. I like talking about Kristen Michael. I like talking about athletic guys. But now, we need to get super efficient. We're locking. I am a nugget machine. I have been sent from the future to give you nuggets for the rest of the show. The remaining 25 minutes will be the most efficient show you've ever heard you've never heard more fantasy nuggets ever in the 25 minute span i am ready to give you nuggets there has been a chris Craig sighting in buffalo chris Craig is an athletic specimen he's more athletic than charles clay he got five targets last week i think ej manuel is a check down artist i think he loves to use the running backs around the line of scrimmage the tight ends around the line of scrimmage but chris Craig is an intriguing Dynasty stash. When you saw, when I saw Chris Craig, and go to his profile on playerprofiler.com. We don't have time to get into the Chris Craig profile today. He's too obscure. Do yourself a favor. Go to playerprofiler.com. Look at Chris Craig's athleticism. Look at his production at Arkansas. He's an exciting player. As a move tight end, he could be very productive. He could do what Charles Clay is doing. He can play the Charles Clay role and maybe play it better. So just keep in the back of your mind, if something happens to Charles Clay, if he gets injured, immediately add 
Chris Craig. He will fill that role exactly as Charles Clay has, but he might actually be better at it because he's more athletic. Chris Hogan is the guy to get this week. Chris Hogan is the player to talk about this week. Chris Hogan, his nickname is 7-Eleven because he's always open. He always gets open, and then when the ball is thrown his way, he always catches it. He has an over 80% catch rate this year because when the ball is in his vicinity, he converts the catch. He's also the biggest receiver on the Bills. He's 6'1", 220 pounds. And all of his measurables across the board are 50th percentile or higher. From height-adjusted speed score, burst score, agility score, people don't think of Chris Hogan as this athletic player. But Chris Hogan absolutely is an athletic player. He's one of the more athletic wide receivers in the National Football League. Well above average athleticism and all of the nuances as well. He has nuance. He has all of those Chris Hogan has that je ne sais quoi as a receiver. He knows how to gain leverage on defenders. He knows how to find the creases in his own defense. He knows how to make his body available to the quarterback. He knows how to, or he's adept at converting contested catches. Chris Hogan does all of those things, has all of those qualities that don't necessarily show up in the advanced metrics profile. So that's for that reason, I love Chris Hogan. So this week, I believe that Chris Hogan will be the de facto number one wide receiver. He could rack up six to eight catches, maybe get to 100 yards, and there's a good chance he scores a touchdown because he's the biggest receiver on the Bills. Now, in the Browns, Travis Benjamin. What's Travis Benjamin? How does this happen? How did Travis Benjamin happen? I don't understand how Travis Benjamin happened. Well, Travis Benjamin also has above 50th percentile across the board in all of his workout metrics. I mean, he runs a 4.36, so he's a complete blazing speed. But a 124.1 burst score is 67th percentile. I mean, his, when you put it all together, even though he's 5'10", 175, he has a catch radius of 10.06. He's best comparable to Eddie Royal. Eddie Royal has had some fantasy-relevant seasons on his resume. So we shouldn't have been surprised that Travis Benjamin is ascending. He's a field stretcher. Like Deshaun Jackson, I mean, he looks like Deshaun Jackson. His profile, not only does it look like Eddie Royal, it kind of looks like Deshaun Jackson. The difference is, he wasn't dominant in college. At Miami, they had him on a, in a special teams role. He was competing against other wide receivers who were very productive. So he never had a chance to start at Miami. They played him as the third receiver, and they hit him with shot plays. They targeted him on shot plays. That's how he has 19.0% college dominator rating, shot plays. He has a 15.0 yards per reception. Travis Benjamin is an athletic specimen. A 114.5 spark score, 75th percentile, to go along with the blazing straight line speed, the 4.36. Travis Benjamin was a candidate to ascend this year, but he was late. He had been in the league three years already, and we do this all the time. We dismiss the players after they've been in the league a few years, and they haven't fired. They haven't fired. They haven't ascended. They've received chances. They've received chances, and they haven't ascended, and they haven't ascended, and we say, you've your opportunity to be a successful NFL player has expired, sir. Good day. And he is dropped across the board in Dynasty. He is an afterthought. And even if he has a big game in 2015... We ignore him because we think, oh, it's just Travis Benjamin. He's been in the league for three years. He's never done anything. There's no reason for us to think he will ever do anything. And then you go to his profile on playerprofiler.com. You go, oh, 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 that's right. Wow, he, he looks a lot like Deshaun Jackson, actually. That's kind of amazing. Maybe he's their number one receiver. 
Why not? Then the argument is, well, why didn't he ascend in year three when they were throwing the ball to Taylor Gabriel, who has a similar stature, lesser workout metrics? The Browns told you in 2014 that Taylor Gabriel is a better receiver, so why should we believe that the first week that Travis Benjamin is fantasy relevant, why should we believe that that's sustainable? He comes out three catches, 89 yards against the Jets in week one, also scores a touchdown. Why should we think that's sustainable? Then the next week, three catches, 115 yards, and two touchdowns against Tennessee. Again, why should we think that's sustainable? You go to his profile on playerprofiler.com, and you're like, oh, wow, because he's a great athlete. There's potential there. And what happened? What happened with Travis Benjamin? Why didn't he ascend last year? Because last year, like Leonard Hankerson, he was recovering from a torn ACL. He lost two years. So we need to do a better job as a community, me included. Everybody needs to do a better job of flagging these players, these athletic specimens that get hurt, that tear ACLs, and give them a pass. The year that they're recovering from the ACL tear, the year after the injury, we need to dismiss that year and not count it against them. We should have wound Travis Benjamin's clock back two years. Disregard the year he tore his ACL. It's a partial year. Disregard the next year. It's a recovery year. We should have done the same thing with Leonard Hankerson. And I did do that with Leonard Hankerson. Because Leonard Hankerson also had the dominator rating. Leonard Hankerson had more positive signs on his profile. I didn't do that with Travis Benjamin, and I should have. That's the lesson that Travis Benjamin teaches us. Disregard those seasons that follow the ACL tears and continue to stash these players, particularly in dynasty leagues. And then the moment they have a good game at the NFL level in week one, in this case, run to playerprofiler.com, look them up. And if the athleticism is matching what he's doing on the field, bid what you think it will take to acquire that player. Now, speaking of athleticism, look at Martavis Bryant. I was worried that Martavis Bryant not being active in week five was a huge red flag. Why wouldn't I think it was a red flag? The guy missed four games because he violated the league's substance abuse policy. And now they're holding him out for yet another game. He could have been active, but they just decided not to use him. He wasn't ready. He had four extra games to get ready, and he still wasn't ready. That's a red flag to me. Then what does he do? Against Arizona last week, six catches, 137 yards, and two touchdowns with Landry Jones at quarterback. Oh my God, this is incredible. This guy's incredible. He is incredible. He is. Martavis Bryant's incredible. His profile, he runs a 4-4-2 at 6-4 over 210 pounds. That's a 115.1 height-adjusted speed score, 97th percentile. All his workouts translate to a 10-27 catch radius. 93rd percentile. The big red flag on Martavis Bryant's profile was that in the co in college at Clemson, his dominator rating was only 18.5%, but he was sharing a field with Sammy Watkins. Ball hog Sammy Watkins, the guy that calls for the ball in practice, in the meeting room, in the huddle, complains when he's not being targeted. That's Sammy Watkins. We now learned, we've now that Sammy Watkins is speaking to the media in Buffalo, we're now learning what kind of teammate Sammy Watkins is. He's a selfish player. He just wants the football. A lot of players just want the football. But Sammy Watkins is particularly vocal about wanting the football. And who suffered? Because that's Sammy Watkins' disposition. Martavis Bryant suffered at Clemson because of Sammy Watkins. Just like Odell Beckham doesn't have a great dominator rating because he was sharing a field with Jarvis Landry at LSU. 
This is a similar excuse for Martavis Bryant. I like Martavis Bryant. I've always couched all of my criticism of Martavis Bryant's ADP by saying, I love Martavis Bryant. I own Martavis Bryant in every dynasty league because in 2014, I was drafting him in the third round in every league because you draft an athlete like that just in case. I did the same thing this year with Chris Conley. You draft an athlete, a guy with a 90th percentile plus spark score that has size, height, all checks all of those boxes. You draft him even if he wasn't dominant at the college level, just in case. And now Martavis Bryant is showing us that some of those games he had last year where he rolled up over 100 yards and multiple touchdowns, that maybe those weren't flukes. You couldn't draft him in the fourth round because those could have been flukes. But now that he's doing it in year two, you have to turn to your neighbor and say, hmm, looks like Martavis Bryant might not be a fluke. And I've heard that he's called the alien. I'm not sure about that nickname. I get where the nickname comes from, that he jumps up and snatches the ball as if an alien was was jumping out of someone's chest and snatching a ball out of the air. I get it. He's like an alien in that way, but I'm just not sure. Contact the show, do a show poll. Is the alien nickname for Martavis Bryant, is that a pejorative? I just don't feel comfortable calling any human being an alien or referring to any human being as an animal that is menacing or doesn't look normal. I don't like implying that someone is a freak physically. Athletically, sure, he's an athletic freak. I don't like implying that someone is a physical freak, that someone looks freaky. I'd much rather find a nickname that's more complimentary. So let the show know. At Roto Underworld on Twitter, email us, rotounderworld at gmail.com. Is the alien nickname a pejorative? Now, we've seen what Martavis Bryant can do. Six catches, 137 yards, and two touchdowns. The problem was Antonio Brown. On the same number of targets, they both received eight targets last week. Antonio Brown, three catches, 24 yards. So my question is, is Antonio Brown a top 10 receiver in a vacuum? Contact the show at Roto Underworld on Twitter. Email the show, rotounderworld at gmail.com. I don't know if Antonio Brown is a top 10 receiver in a vacuum. If there was a receiver that is suffering from the loss of his quarterback, it's Antonio Brown. I've never seen a receiver suffer more from the loss of a quarterback than Antonio Brown. You could argue last year, Larry Fitzgerald losing Carson Palmer. Similar to what's happening to Antonio Brown losing Ben Roethlisberger. And Mike Tomlin admitted that Antonio Brown is feeling uncomfortable without Ben Roethlisberger under center. Martavis Bryant, on the other hand, feels very comfortable. And I mentioned earlier that someone that looks like Martavis Bryant is Chris Conley on the Chiefs. And last weekend, Jeremy Macklin sustained what I thought looked like a really bad concussion. He was on the ground for a long time. There were a number of Members of the training staff and players circled around him. It looked bad when you watched it live and you saw the fallout from the collision. So I'm not a doctor, right? I play one on the radio, but that looked like a severe concussion. That looked like a severe concussion that could knock a player out from multiple games, but I don't know. Carlos Williams never left the game three weeks ago. And then days later was diagnosed with a concussion and he's still in the concussion protocol and won't be playing this week. So Carlos Williams will miss three-plus games with a concussion that we didn't even know about until days later. So I never know with these concussions. The ones that look really bad with the guys on the ground twitching, he plays the next week. The ones where the guy never leaves the game, he's out for a month. I just have no idea. I don't know. What I do know is that Chris Conley looks a lot like Martavis Bryant. Chris Conley, 4-3-5-40. What? 
at 6'2", That comes out to 120.6 height-adjusted speed score, 96th percentile. Chris Conley has the best burst score in the playerprofiler.com database. Now, like Martavis Bryant, like Charles Johnson, like Corderell Patterson, like Justin Hunter, Chris Conley does not have a good agility score, 1136. But it's not horrible. It's not 1150. His catch radius, 1046, is 99th percentile. Spark score, 130.8, 98th percentile. And unlike Martavis Bryant, he wasn't competing with anyone at Georgia for targets. So Chris Conley's 29.3% dominator rating is only 43rd percentile, but he doesn't have Martavis Bryant's excuse. So I put those two dominator ratings on equal footing. I think they're equivalent. The Martavis Bryant 19% dominator rating and the Chris Conley 29% dominator rating. But what's interesting about Chris Conley, which Martavis Bryant doesn't have going for him, is that Chris Conley broke out at 20.9 years old. So he's a couple years younger than Martavis Bryant. And Chris Conley is a big play receiver. 18.3 yards per reception at the college level. Martavis Bryant, also big play receiver. 19.7 yards per reception, 93rd percentile at Clemson. So when they were throwing the ball to Martavis Bryant at Clemson, he was rolling up 19.7 yards per reception. They just weren't throwing him the ball enough because Sammy Watkins was crying for the ball constantly. So if Jeremy Macklin misses this week, I like Chris Conley. I like Albert Wilson. Albert Wilson, he runs a 4-4-3. He's a big, rugged 5-9. Because at 202 pounds, a 5-9 receiver, that's a big, strong dude. So even though his catch radius is tiny, 9.90, he has that stature that I like. You wouldn't consider Albert Wilson a small receiver, even though he's 5'9", because he weighs 202 pounds. Runs a 4.43, that comes out to a 99.1, 63rd percentile height-adjusted speed score. The great thing about Albert Wilson, though, the thing you love, is the 59.9% dominator rating at Georgia State. Small school. 60% dominator rating? What? It's incredible! I don't think Alex Smith is losing much if Jeremy Macklin isn't playing. I said it. There, I said it. Come on, critics, come at me. I just said that Albert Wilson and Chris Conley are not a significant step down from Jeremy Macklin. Come at me. My fists are up. Come and get me. Yeah, I love young players. I love athleticism. I'll kill you with my athleticism. Jeremy Macklin is one of the best possession receivers in the NFL, but at the end of the day, he is a possession receiver. And having Albert Wilson and Chris Conley on the field together will help stretch the field for Alex Smith. Who that benefits the most? The field stretching? The loss of Jeremy Macklin? Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey is a must-play this week. In every daily fantasy format, cash, tournament, you need to get Travis Kelsey in your lineup. We talk about the waterfall effect. When a player is out, who will receive additional targets? Who will fill the target void? The best candidate to fill that target void, even though I like Albert Wilson and I love Chris Conley, Take a step back. You know the guy that is going to fill the target void this week at Pittsburgh is Travis Kelsey. Get him! Also, interesting nugget on Sharkhandrick West. He was top 10 among running backs last week in snap share. So even though his touches aligned with Niall Davis's touches pretty evenly, he was on the field a lot more than Niall Davis. It was just a bad game. Sharkhandrick West just had a bad game. Game flow killed him. That happens to players sometimes. That happens to the best players in the league. That happened to Le'Veon Bell last week. 
Le'Veon Bell was killed by game flow. He underperformed his projection by 15 points because of game flow. It happens to everyone. Now is the time to get Sharkhandrick West. If you didn't get him last week when everyone was rushing to the waiver wire to get him, now is the time to trade for him at a reduced price. Smart. Now is also the time to get Alshon Jeffrey. It, it, maybe it's too late. I don't know. But you need to get Alshon Jeffrey on your team. You need to find a way to get Alshon Jeffrey on your team. Evan Silva made the case that Alshon Jeffrey could be the number one wide receiver in all of fantasy in the offseason. And his thesis was as follows, that Alshon Jeffrey had league-leading target share when Brandon Marshall was out of the game. He averaged 10.5 targets per game after Brandon Marshall got hurt last year. Alshon Jeffrey has a gunslinger quarterback, and he has the intrinsic ability of a true number one wide receiver. When Brandon Marshall was interviewed, he was asked if there are any receivers in the league that he believes are more talented than he is. And he conceded that Calvin Johnson is at the top of the list, that Calvin Johnson stands above everyone in terms of wide receiver talent. And then he was asked to follow up, is there anyone else? And he said, yes, there's one other guy that stands above me who's more talented than I am, who's a better receiver than I am. And they said, who is it? And he said, it's Alshon Jeffrey. Again, Alshon Jeffrey had 10.5 targets per game and scored seven touchdowns after Brandon Marshall went down in 2014. Then last week you saw Alshon Jeffrey targeted over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Last week, Alshon Jeffrey, 11 targets, which he converted into eight receptions for 147 yards and a touchdown. So this is what Alshon Jeffrey does. He commands an incredible number of targets. He's then efficient, converting those targets into receptions. Then he converts those receptions into a large number of yards, 18.4 yards per reception to be specific. And then he converts these receptions into touchdowns. What more do you want from a receiver? He does everything that you want a receiver to do. Alshon Jeffrey checks all the boxes. He did that at less than 100%. Every week that goes by, his hamstring is getting better and stronger. He is going to keep getting better. You need to go out and get Alshon Jeffrey. Now, another guy that's way too late to get, DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins. I just want to take a moment at the end of the show to salute DeAndre Hopkins. My hand is above my brow. I am saluting DeAndre Hopkins. He is the number one wide receiver in fantasy now. He's scoring 23.5 fantasy points per game. He is dominating all the targets. There is no number two option of substance in Houston. So he's having a Josh Gordon-like season. DeAndre Hopkins is the Josh Gordon from 2013. The best receiver in the league with Brian Hoyer at quarterback.